So welcome back to another episode of Renting an Apartment in New York City. My name is Rodolfo Delgado, and today we have a very special guest here with us. His name is Seth Hirschhorn. I wanted to bring Seth here with us today because he's a senior managing director at City Habitats, one of the biggest real estate firms in New York, actually. With over 600 agents currently working for City Habitats, Seth is the senior managing director at their headquarters, overlooking literally hundreds of agents on their day to day. Seth, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And another fun fact for our listeners, Seth used to be my boss when I started my real estate career here in New York, now turned a close friend of mine. So Seth, we appreciate you making time out of your busy schedule to be in this podcast. And uh, for our listeners to have a little bit more of information, I'd love to ask you, why did you choose to do real estate and why in New York? So sales is something that I've always done uh, from a little kid trying to sell my toys on my driveway. <laughs> And I knew I wanted to get into sales. I studied sales and marketing in undergraduate school. And I moved to the city on an internship that I got before I graduated. And I asked my friend, David, do you have an apartment in the city? He owned buildings and he gave me a key and he said, give me $1,000 a month. You won't have a lease, just pay me cash. Give me $1,000 a month rent for the apartment. And I realized that there was about 55 apartments in the building and uh, he owned several buildings throughout the city. And when I moved to the city, my father said, you should not be renting, you should buy an apartment. Hmm. And I thought, what a great deal I have. I'm paying $1,000 a month. And he said, well, you need to build equity in the property. So you buy a piece of property, you pay the mortgage. So whether you're paying $1,000 a month or $3,000 a month, now you're paying into an asset where you're building equity. And one day, it's in 15 years, the price will double. I was fascinated and I, every day I walked to work and I looked at all these tall buildings and I started going to open houses on Sunday when I saved enough money. And I bought my first apartment. I was 19. Wow. And uh, during the process, it was a cooperative, right? So as we know in New York, the, the whole board process, meeting the board, getting approved, providing all the paperwork and everything that they require. It's very unique to New York. But I was very intrigued with the broker who handled that transaction. He was the listing agent. Even though I was the buyer, I was working directly with him. I didn't have a broker. And uh, he came in his shorts, he came on his bicycle, and I had to come back a few times before we went to contract. And every time I said, I want your job, he made uh, the real estate business look very easy. And he, he's a top agent here in the city. And I said, if he could do it, I want to start selling real estate. Wow. So eventually I, I called him and I said, I'm ready to come work. How long ago was that? That was uh, 21 years ago. So you've been doing real estate for about 21 years now? 21 years. How has the process regarding buying or renting an apartment set changed in the past 21 years from the, from the beginning when you started doing real estate to now? How is it different for the consumer, of course? So for the consumer, the actual transaction itself, whether you're buying an apartment in New York, be it a condo or a co-op, or you're renting an apartment, the process itself is exactly the same. The application process, maybe a few more documents, more disclosures, more paperwork involved. But for the most part, the application process and whether applying to a corporate condo or a rental building is very much the same. But seeking out a professional to help you throughout the process, 
a real estate broker or a professional, whether it be a mortgage broker telling you what you could afford, what purchase price or range to be in, or an advisor to show you apartments, right? Whether they're mm-hmm. representing the landlord, mm-hmm. it, the venues at which you find the properties or find the professional have changed. Of course. Right? Through technology. Absolutely. Yeah, and this is a perfect time for me to mention replay listings and the fact that platforms like ours in which we're trying to innovate how to show the consumer different properties in a more transparent way, those are the type of platforms or new venues for consumers to find their new property or their next real estate agent. Yeah, so 21 years ago, there was no replay listings. There was (laughs) no uh, looking on your phone in the palm of your hand on a map to see exactly where all the available apartments are. Uh, which you could do on replay and, yeah. and other and other uh, sites out there, but technology has changed. The way the consumer seeks out both the property and the professional has changed. One key aspect for the consumer to understand is they're most likely going to be paying for their professional services, whether the landlord pays the fee on a rental or the tenant is paying their broker mm-hmm. or on a sale where the seller is paying. You are going to pay regardless. The best thing, in my opinion, is to find a professional, someone with experience that works for a reputable firm that has amazing testimonials on their website and on replay listings. There's different brokers, but not every broker uh, or every every professional um, has the same level of experience, training, and expertise. So you definitely want to find a professional that's going to give you guidance from experience and has a lot of experience. I absolutely agree with everything that you've just said. And to add to that, I remember my days as a real estate agent when I used to have clients at my office to find them a rental apartment. One of the first things that I would say to address their concern regarding paying a broker fee is that at the end of the day, whether you pay the fee directly to the broker or the landlord compensates the broker, it's all the same thing. Usually what happens is that the landlord raises the monthly price enough to be able to afford paying the broker the concession that they're going to have and put that apartment as a no fee. So at the end of the day, it's all the same. The smartest way to go about it is to pay the broker directly because if you're looking to stay on that same apartment for more than two or three years, it's better to pay the broker one time and have a lower rent on a monthly basis rather than having the landlord compensate the broker but upping the monthly fee. For that apartment. Yeah, the, the commission would be built into the rent. So you're paying $200 a month on a $2,400 commission that you would pay up front uh, or you would pay it in the rent. So, exactly. you know, some consumers, if they're not looking, if they're only looking to be here in New York or they're testing the waters in New York, whether they, they like it or not to stay and really are only committing to 12 months, they may not want to pay the fee up front and they may tell our agents, I want to see, show me only no fee apartments. When Once we've exhausted that and maybe they haven't found any good options, then they would go to a full mm. fee apartment. To every listener out there, that's really important what Seth just said. Always know that whether you want to pay your fee or not, you still have the possibility to go to any brokerage and say to the broker, please show me no fee apartments. And that's always a possibility. When I came here initially to the city many years ago, I paid a broker's fee. And I'm happy that I did because I would not have gotten the apartment that I live in right now. And I'm, I would do it again. So always consider both options and don't limit yourself to just seeing apartments that are no fee because you might miss out on the best opportunities out there. Moving on, Seth, given the fact that we've already had a couple of real estate agents with us on this podcast, 
I wanted to bring to our listeners a manager's perspective. Can you tell us more about how your day-to-day looks like at the office? Because Seth overlooks over hundreds of real estate agents and their transactions and their day-to-day activities. So I wanted to dive into their daily lives, maybe hear a little bit from you. So uh, our days are pretty busy. Uh, could be 10, 12 hour days. I pretty much work 24 seven, uh, whether I'm in the office or remote on my phone. We have an agent population of about 200 plus agents in the office. Uh, myself and uh, one other manager manage the team. And any given day, I could be negotiating two to 10 different sales deals and several rental deals, making sure that our agents are completing all the paperwork, have the clients prepared when they arrive at the property, should they want the property to be able to move quickly and not lose out to another bidder uh, or another tenant that has put an application in first. So be ready with the paperwork is very important, but training. So we do a lot of training here at the office. We do workshops. Every week, we have sales and rental workshops within the office. We also coach agents one-on-one. So we meet many of our agents uh, throughout the week for half-hour sessions uh, on different topics. I have about uh, 50-plus different topics that I rotate depending on what level and experience the agent uh, that I'm working with has. Uh, And if we're focusing on uh, farming or developing a listing base for sales or rental listings, uh, we'll hit the phones. We get on the phones together. We make calls and do some prospecting together. Yeah. I love that. And I remember my days as an agent at City Habitats. And I do have to tell you, I really appreciate that you do so many workshops because I myself learn so much from them. One issue that I frequently discuss with my listeners or write about is the fact that because of the fact that there's so much turnover of agents, a lot of real estate brokerages do not invest in their training or education of real estate agents. And with CD Habitats, something that I notice is that they're really investing on their agents' training, which is something that I really appreciate. Well, 20, 25% of, of my day as a manager is working on recruiting for the office both recruiting for our agent for our new agents that are in school and just getting their license and also experienced agents that are in the industry and could use the tools, resources and technology and training of City Habitats to take their business to the next level. So a big part of that is meeting with experienced agents as well as new agents and the more selective we are because as we know work ethic in our business is everything. Because having a very flexible schedule is is wonderful, but everybody watches a million dollar listing and all these other shows, uh, fix it and flip it and how it's so easy. And they think they're just going to work three days a week and make millions of dollars. Well, this business takes six, seven days a week, many, many hours every day, pounding the pavement with the clients, getting the phone to ring, getting our customers into the right properties. Just when you have one client taking them out, making the appointments is extremely time consuming, right? And you have to be aggressive and get into the Mm -hmm. apartments because you want to make sure that your client and all of our agents' clients are seeing everything that's available Mm -hmm. right now and not just a limited limited selection. So that's where a lot of the research is behind the scenes that I, I guess a renter wouldn't really know. They think it's simple. You go onto a website like Replay Listings, you find a couple of apartments, you make a few phone calls and you go see a few apartments. But it's sometimes access is hard because especially rentals in New York, a very good apartment is going to rent before it becomes vacant. Mm -hmm. So their access is usually very limited because you have a tenant in place. And uh, it's really just 
getting our consumers again into every apartment that is available and without without hesitation because then the consumer can make a quick decision knowing that they've seen everything that's available yeah but back to you know a daily basis so recruiting is meeting with a lot of new agents um, as well as experienced agents and, and really learning their business plans and how we could help them take their business to the next level um, and then again, it's it's working with our agents and their clients as well. So this morning, for instance, we were busy negotiating a couple of deals, two deals in Williamsburg condominiums. One was a new development, one was a resale, and we uh, we spoke with the listing agent together, my agent and I, to find out the negotiability and what the sponsor is willing to pay. As you know, it's a buyer's market, so mm-hmm. we want to want to ask a lot of questions, right? You 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 sell by asking questions, so. Uh, I'd also got on the phone with some clients who think that making an offer 15% below the asking price is uh, going to get them the apartment. But, you know, it's about pulling the comps, doing the research and showing the client why it's important to come close to this asking price because the, these are the comps, these are the close sales, and this is the average price per square foot. And this is what all the data is telling us that you should be within 3% of the asking price, not coming in 15% yeah. below where an owner wouldn't take it seriously. So educating both our agents and our clients at the same time. That's that's really interesting. And by the way, when Seth says comps, what he means is comparables. And usually what that entails is real estate agents searching for properties that are similar to the one that you're interested in to be able to determine if the asking price is fair, elevated, or below. Is that the way that you would describe a comp? Yes, within a certain time frame. So, you know, not uh, within the current market. So many times we're only going to look at within the season. So maybe three months back, if there's not enough activity, we may go six months back. And then you would have to go back maybe a year or two, but you would adjust it based on market trends awesome. during that, that two-year period. That's a that's a huge added value that a, that a real estate expert can bring to your life if you're interested in buying or renting an apartment. And if you're interested in buying, remember that you're not the one that's going to pay the broker fee, right? The seller is the one who pays the broker. So you can really benefit from having somebody fight along your side who's an expert when you're looking for your next place in the city. So always keep that in mind. So Seth, let me ask you the million dollar question of the moment. Is 2020 going to be a good year to buy something in New York? It's a good question. Uh, I wish I had a crystal ball. <laughs> uh, this is the is a very unique market that we're in right now, the sales market. It's the first time that I, in my 21 year history in the business, but uh, probably the first time in New York where you have the economy is very good. Wall Street is up and the markets are up 25% this year, the Dow. Mm-hmm. Interest rates are down. Unemployment rate is down about 4.1% in New York, 3.5% in the country right now. And real estate is down. What's going on? Usually when everything is good, Wall Street's good, mortgage rates are low, unemployment is down, people have jobs, people are making money, you would think real estate is up. Well, real estate is down. But that is really due to the fact that we've had, we've seen the last two, three years, regulation changes, tax law changes. um, And that's really on three different facets, the federal government, the state, and the city. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have the rent regulations that just passed July 1st, mm-hmm. the mansion tax that passed July 1st, the rent regulations that went into effect October 1st, and a lot of just different factors of, of regulation 
and tax laws that have changed how people feel about investing in real estate. So I think a lot of consumers, uh, we saw over the last two years, a lot of consumers feel that, uh, uh, let's say if a buyer, you're, you, we talk to many buyers and the buyers feel the longer they wait, the less they're going to pay. Mm-hmm. Right now, we are in a depreciating market. Right. So if we lost, let's say, three to five percent of value this year. Now, not every neighborhood did. Some uh, neighborhoods, especially Brooklyn, have not have gained uh, gained traction. But for the most part, in a depreciating market, there's about nine to 10 months of inventory on the market right now. Mm -hmm. It's a buyer's market. Buyers are out there. They're making offers. They're trying to get everything they can in new development. They're asking the sponsor to pay all their closing costs, where traditionally the buyer pays that in a strong seller's market or even in an equilibrium uh, market, maybe six months of supply. So now you have, you know, almost 10 months of supply on the market. And I think 2020, I think sellers that have held off on selling because they didn't have to, the sellers that have to sell are going to have to take what the market is willing to pay. And I think that there's some good deals out there. We have buyers that are snatching up properties at really good prices. So if uh, something was selling four years ago at 18, 1900 per square foot, and you could get it today for 12 or 1250 per square foot, I think you're doing pretty well. We can never time. Again, I wish I had a crystal ball. You can't time the bottom of the market, but usually uh, it's too late and we're already bobbed off the bottom and on our way into appreciation when uh, when everybody wants to buy. Absolutely. We also have to take geopolitics and international relations as an increasingly important factor. You know, 2020 comes with a U.S. presidential election. The U.K. is going through significant changes now that Prime Minister Boris Johnson has been elected. There's unresolved protest in Hong Kong. And because of all of this, there's a lot of experts that still worry that a downturn should be expected in the U.S. economy soon. Well, talking about a presidential election and going into 2020, we have a, we have a presidential election, which is always uncertain, uncertainty, right? Who's going to be in office? Now, four years ago, when we had the last election, there was a lot of uncertainty. No one knew what we were going to face with if Trump got elected. Well, now Trump got elected. He's been here four years. We know what to expect. Correct. We don't really know what to expect with if someone else is to get elected, right? So I think from a consumer perspective, if you are looking to sell in 2020, do it in the first half of the year. Get your apartment in contract, get it, get it sold, even from an agent perspective, take all your inventory, talk to your sellers in January. February 1st is when buyers tend to come back out uh, into the market, our open houses pick up. And I would say get your property sold in the first half of next year because you just don't know what the second half of 2020 will bring and uh, and who's going to who's going to be elected in office and what uh, the future will look like. However, this is New York and yeah. uh, it's never constant. The one thing that is always constant is change and prices. I've been in, in markets up, down. And I think what we're going to see is, is a pause. The second half of 2020 will be a little bit of a pause in activity until people will hold their breath until they know what's going on on the political uh, level and also what's going on with with the economy because we've also seen Wall Street you know it rally we again 20 the market was up 25% in 2019 it can't sustain this level of increases however um, hopefully we could you know level off and then bring real estate back up 
That's really, really insightful. I appreciate that. So Seth, moving in another direction, I wanted to ask you regarding a couple of experiences that I've had in the past in which clients say to me that they're not happy with the current real estate agent that they're working with. So if I were a consumer working with a real estate agent that I'm not really happy with, what should I do in that situation? Find another one. Find another one who is an expert in the area that you're looking for, Mm -hmm. has a proven track record, Mm -hmm. has closed both sales and rentals, knows the neighborhood inside and out, probably has some relationships with the landlord, and has a lot of experience working with clients in that area or in that particular price range. Uh, So I think if you're not happy with your agent, it's time to shop for a different agent and find someone that you could stick with from the entire process. Because I think a lot of agents, a lot of consumers hear nightmare stories about brokers. Now, yes, there are bad brokers out there the same way there's bad physicians. However, you want to find someone that you are very compatible with, your personalities mix very well, and someone that knows the area in which you're looking for. Because the same agent that might know Brooklyn like the back of their hand, they don't know the Upper West Side. So real estate is very local. You want to find a local expert that has a lot of experience. Uh, You could also call the management team of a real estate office. When I speak with one of our consumers and I pre-qualify them and go over exactly what they're looking for, I could match them with who I believe would be the perfect agent. Nine and a half out of 10 times, when I match the right, the client with the correct agent, that agent becomes their broker for life. And they really are there throughout their cycle of living here in New York from the first rental of a studio to maybe moving in with significant other and getting a one bedroom or a junior four and then starting a family and and needing more space and, and buying ultimately buying an apartment down the road. So I think it's very important. A lot of consumers believe that because they've heard bad stories about a broker, they go online and they're going to go direct to 20 different agents at 20 different properties. The problem is those agents are hired by the landlord or the seller to represent them. They're not representing you as the tenant or you as the buyer. So I think it's very important to have representation and have someone work for you. In the end, either the seller is paying the fee if you're purchasing or the fee will be split between your agent as the tenant's agent and the listing agent who represents the landlord. Mm. So at the end of the day, my advice, if you want to find an apartment here in New York, is call a manager at, at a firm, a reputable firm uh, like myself. You can feel free to call me Absolutely. Uh, or, or another manager, and they will set you up with the right agent who is an expert in exactly what you are looking for. Absolutely. And by the way, to all of our listeners, Seth's information is going to be in the description of the podcast that you're listening right now on that episode. So feel free to contact him for a free consultation or any advice that you need. And I love that you mentioned that set as well, because how many times have we heard stories of consumers or of people that are looking for an apartment either to buy or to rent, and they end up working with 20 different agents, right? And what happens then is that no agent really gets to know them and their needs. So just like Seth said, if you don't like your broker, go and find another one, and that's completely fine. But once you find an agent that you're comfortable with, and if you're clicking with them and they're local and have enough expertise to show you around, try to stick with that agent because the more that they know you, the more tailored the opportunity they're going to be able to present to you. One, one thing also to keep in mind as a, an apartment hunter, not all ads are accurate. Not all ads, the apartments are actually available. 
And I think that is very important with working with a firm that advertises only apartments that are available. Because I think consumers see, they go online, even if they're working with one agent, they go online and they start searching and they see some great deals, but those apartments many times do not exist. And they're either at last year's pricing or they've already been rented and they're such a good price that they had about 100 applications on the apartment and that agent leaves that ad up to generate more leads to show other apartments. So at the end of the day, working with an agent, we're all, most agents here in New York are part of the Real Estate Board of New York. We are required to share our listings with each other and we have access to every listing available, whether it's with us at our company or any other company that's part of the Real Estate Board of New York. For those of you who are hearing about the Real Estate Board of New York for the first time, let me tell you a little bit more about them. The Real Estate Board of New York, often referred to as REPNI, which is of course an acronym, is a real estate association that looks to, amongst other things, to promote ethical business standards. Not every real estate agent or broker in New York is REPNI certified, And you may certainly feel free to ask your broker or agent a question such as, are you Rodney certified? And if they say yes, that means that they have added responsibilities to work in your best interest and answer any questions you may have to the best of their ability. And Seth, now that we're stepping into this topic of ethical business practices, I have another question for you that I get often. Is it common for real estate agents to ask their clients for cash? Our company policy, we have a very strict no cash policy, Mm -hmm. and we do not advise anybody to hand over cash to any agent because this is a day of age of people collecting, uh, accepting credit cards, accepting certified bank checks only uh, on the landlord level for both rent and for security and for commission. So if if the broker is not asking you for a certified check, a bank check, uh, or accepting a credit card, then I would be weary uh, and I would not hand over cash unless you have it in writing and there's proof that uh, this is refundable. There should be no uh, non-refundable deposits unless you've been approved for an apartment and then decide to walk away. Okay. Try to avoid at all costs paying cash directly to the agent. The most reputable companies out there usually require you to pay via a certified check or via their website or a credit card or any any other form of payment. I would also keep in mind every broker or salesperson that has a license with the Department of State here in New York hangs their license with a real estate broker. If, If you are asked to pay cash and told that you can only get the apartment by giving me a cash deposit right now, What I would do is make sure you call the broker of record, confirm with the broker of record that this is in fact a policy that the company is requiring you to turn over cash, Mm. request a receipt, and request terms of that deposit. What conditions it is refundable and under what conditions it is non-refundable. So there is no misunderstanding when you decide that you don't want the apartment or you find something wrong with it that it doesn't match your needs. I think that what you just said is extremely informative. And lastly, any kind of tips that you would give our listeners as to how to approach pairing up with a real estate agent? Like I mentioned before, I think very important to get online, read testimonials. Uh, There's Yelp. There's Glassdoor. There's many websites out there, uh, way beyond that. On all of the websites, even replay listings, there's testimonials that agents have on their websites. And I would read them and they should be verified. There should be a a client there 
Uh, you should ask any client, uh, rather any agent, if you could reach out to a past client or a consumer that they've worked with in the past to ask questions mm -hmm. um, and interview their past clients. So the same way when I interview an agent potentially to work in my office, I let them know they could reach out to any agent in the office that is working there and to ask them about their experience and how happy they are and what they think about the office and the business and the company. So, you know, the same way I do that to an agent, I think that you should be able to do that with an agent that you're considering to work with. Don't be afraid to ask them questions about their experience, about their testimonials, and potentially reaching out to past clients. Beautiful. Awesome. Another question that I had for you, Seth, is, is it common if I'm going to buy or rent an apartment and I live in another city or abroad? Is it common for me to reach out to an agent even before stepping in the city? So uh, I'm excited you asked that question. Actually, I, I, uh, it's a good question. And I find it interesting that people will plan a vacation. New Yorkers will plan a vacation mm -hmm. to go to, uh, to Europe or a Caribbean island. And they book two weeks at a hotel on a beautiful beach. And they see three pictures on the hotel's website. Mm -hmm. And they book it. They, they didn't visit it before. They didn't tour the property. They didn't look at a floor plan. There's very limited information. Mm -hmm. Well, we many times will rent and secure apartments for someone that is relocating to New York. They're starting a new job. And unfortunately, because of timing, they're landing the day they need to move in and the day they need to start the new job. So they need an apartment ready to go drop their suitcases off and head to their new job. Wow. Uh, and with that comes really working with someone that you trust and a professional that could Skype you through the property, mm -hmm. walk you through video uh, technology and video conferencing is, is, is comes in very handy with this, but really walking through the apartment, going over, walking down up and down the block and the lobby and the common areas of a particular building and really showing the client as if they were in the apartment. Mm. Uh, there is even technology now with virtual reality where someone could put on a headset and virtually tour the inside of an apartment. I think we will see more of that in the future in 2020 and beyond. It always amazed me that people could book vacations and hotels for extended periods without visiting, but you're taking a 12-month lease and everyone has to see the apartment three times before they make a final decision. <laughs> so we do have many clients that we uh, we rent apartments to that actually have not stepped foot in the apartment until the day they're moving in, but we make sure that they have seen the apartment inside and out, have seen the common areas of the building on video, have seen the, the block and the neighborhood and, and are familiar with it. Yeah. And of course, working with a real estate agent that works at a reputable company that you can trust. And has a lot of experience renting apartments sight unseen. Correct. And one other thing that I, I would mention with uh, an apartment hunter that's not in New York, but maybe coming in two, three months to move. Uh, in fact, yesterday I spoke with a customer who's relocating from Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, he needs an apartment for the end of January. And we are starting to show him properties. He's going to come in two weeks before to see property. So if you could get here prior to your moving date, very helpful. But really, we only need a couple of days to find an apartment. Even though vacancy rates are hovering around 2%, mm -hmm. uh, there is still at any given time enough apartments to see in certain price ranges. You may have to move uh, to a neighboring, a, a neighboring uh, area or neighborhood. Um, and expand your search a little bit into uh, different different avenues or different streets. But this is New York, and 
everybody compromises on something, whether it's yeah. a, a doorman, a washer dryer in the apartment, a balcony or outdoor space, full service doorman with a concierge and a health club or a roof deck. Something will give. And if you need to expand your search to find more availability within your price range, then that's that's something that I would suggest. And, and again, finding someone that has experience yeah. with renting apartments sight unseen uh, successfully is the key here. Wow. Well, I think that this has been extremely helpful, Seth. So thank you for being with us here today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, I think we're good. I think that uh, wishing everyone an amazing 2020 and uh, a ha happy and healthy new year to uh, all of our uh, Rodolfo's listeners. Absolutely. And guys, remember, if you want to get in touch with Seth, his information is on the description of the podcast. Wherever you're listening to it, just go to the episode's description and it'll be there. Thank you everyone for listening. Until the next episode, have a good one. Mm -hmm.